Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Sure, I'm happy to see you. Missed you last week. Where were you? I was here. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, uh, you are worthy of all of our praise, Lord, all of our adoration, uh, and also all of our obedience, Lord God. You're willing to, uh, you're worthy, rather, to be entrusted with all of who we are, our hearts, uh, our secrets, Father, um, our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations. Lord, every single thing that makes us us, uh, Lord, on the inside, Father, and on the outside belongs to you, uh, Lord. And we understand that we're to be used in your service, Father, for your glory, uh, to edify the people, Lord, and to spread the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And so we pray, Lord God, this morning that you would honor uh, our attendance and honor our attentiveness to your word, Father, uh, Lord, that we would look to see you in every page, uh, in every verse uh, of this great book, Father, that you put in our laps so that we might know your mind and your heart, uh, Lord, even though it's beyond knowing, Father, you've condescended to us, Lord, in the pages of this book so that we might have a glimpse, Lord, just like Moses uh, when you hit him in the cleft of the rock and caused your goodness to pass before him, Lord, um, that's how we feel when we study your word together corporately and, and pray together, Lord, and worship you, Father. And we're so grateful for how you allow us, Lord, in the flesh even, Father, to take part in, in your great uh, holiness and divinity and glory, Lord. Uh, help us to see it as nothing less than that, Father, not to take it for granted, uh, Lord God, but to seek your face, Lord, in the pages of your book today. Uh, and in each one of us individually in our hearts, Lord, that we would be continually surrendering ourselves to your, to your will, Father, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, it was a tough week. Um, probably more ways than one. But uh, any of you who pay attention um, to any kind of politics or what's going on, uh, you saw what, what happened in our state. Um, with with the uh, with the new abortion uh, laws that have gone forward and um, man, there's just no words. There's just there's just no words. Um, and you know, I, I try not to post a lot of stuff on Facebook. And but you know, people are lied to. You know, this system, this world is uh, a series in a system of 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 lies um, and propaganda. And we have to remember that we are, we're children of the book, right, of this book. Even though we love our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all that stuff, this is our book. This is, this is our book. The only reason that the Constitution uh, and the Declaration of Independence and any of those things even came into being is because men understood, even, even then, and even though they were imperfect, and even though many of them weren't even believers, there was an innate understanding that we are created in the image of God and in His likeness. Uh, and that we are beholden to him, um, that our lives are lived before him. We're not to be beholden to men, but to God. Um, and, and each man has to live their lives accordingly uh, to what God speaks to each one of us through his book and in our hearts personally. Um, and, and this is where the idea of freedom comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ. You know, when we're going through the Old Testament, we're talking about many of the laws, and it's God relating to a fallen world. It's God relating to the world as it was. God didn't show up and say, okay, you guys, everything, everything in the whole world, I'm here to change everything in the whole world. That's not what he did at all. 
And we have a hard time with that sometimes because we, we feel like, well, geez, that's what he's supposed to do. And the reason that you feel like that's what he's supposed to do is because all of creation, including you as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, grown inwardly for that day of redemption that is soon to come when Jesus Christ will take us out of this world, judge this world, and then come back with us and establish his kingdom in Israel on the throne of David. And he will finally, finally create this world or turn this world into what it, it was intended to be and what it was intended to be. And he will rule uh, with an iron scepter, the Bible says. There's not going to be any question about it. There's not going to be any politicians who, who can, you know, throw a fast one by him, you know, and he's not going to have any term limits and he's not going to retire. He already died and he lives again and he'll never, ever die again. And that's how we're going to live, and that's how we're going to reign. You groan inwardly as a believer for that day. Uh, and sometimes we can mistakenly expect to see some of that here. Uh, and, and I guess in our lives and, and in our walk with the Lord, sometimes we do in bits and pieces. This is a fallen world. It's a dark world. Uh, and that's the world that was in existence, you know, 4,000 years ago when God came down to Moses and the children of Israel and gave them these laws. The reason he gave them these laws was, here's how I'm going to insulate you in this dark world. And even in with some of the darkness of your own culture and your own prejudices and your own ideas, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to protect the innocent and I'm going to protect the weak. And I'm going to take care of people because that's what God does. And some of it, it to us seems crazy and, and seems harsh uh, or this or that, but that's how God was dealing with his people in those days. They were to be a light, they were to be a testimony, and they were to stand out. And the same thing goes for you and I. The same thing goes for you and I. I, I, was, I, was, I got involved in a couple of discussions on Facebook because what I saw was that people were, were deceived into thinking that this new bill that's gone forth, um, you know, well, it's only if a woman's life is in grave jeopardy. But that's not the case. When you look at the wording of it, it's, it's, it's anything to do with her health. That includes her mental health. And what is included in her mental health? I, I really just, I just don't, I just can't handle this. I just don't want to have this baby. I just, I can't financially, this is going to ruin me. That's enough of a reason. And men don't need a reason to sin. We, it, we wax worse and worse. That's one of the prophecies of the end times. There's already a, a, a paper written from a student in Tennessee uh, considering the options of, of, of a mother having a choice over the life of her child up until they're two years old. You know, I mean, we've seen this circus before. This eugenics, and I mean, this has gone around and around in this world. There's nothing new under the sun. And, and so in, in, in light of this, I'm, I'm, you, know, you know what's going to happen in New York State, don't you? It, it, there, there's going to be more and more and more and more and more of these. Um, and, and, and that's the way it's going to go. And men are going to continue to wax worse and worse. Okay? Our response to all of this is imperative. Our response to all of this is imperative. You know, the way we are in our own hearts, because we're prejudicial, we are. We're all prejudicial in our hearts. We all have something in there that's prejudicial. We can, I, can, I can deal with this sin. I can deal with this level of wickedness, but I can't deal with this level of wickedness. And so once you reach this level of wickedness, I can no longer relate to you. And I have no sympathy for you or, or, or remorse when I hammer you. Uh, and and when, I, when I'm just going to just cut you off. May, may God have mercy on your soul and I'm done with you. That's not the heart of Christ, though, is it? It's not the heart of Christ. 
God is the judge, and God is going to judge sin. But vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord. Our job in this world, and, 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 it, and you know, we, it, God goes over it with us again and again in the epistles. Our job and the debt that we owe one another is the debt of what? Love. That's what we owe. That's what we owe. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for my sins. I am a monster. <laughs> you know, if you're, I'm a self-aware person. And I have no I, preconceived ideas or notions or, or delusions of grandeur that really basically I'm a good person at heart. I know my heart. And I try to be honest with who I am as a human being. And looking back at my entire life, I've been a monster at times. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem me. You know, the age-old argument. What if, if Hitler, in his final days, if he would have repented? We, we know the answer to that if we study the Word. Well, I just don't see how Jesus could forgive him. What sin and what person is the blood of Christ not good enough to cover? That's the question. And when you pose the question to yourself like that, you realize there is no sin. And there is no level of wickedness that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cover and forgive. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not realists. That doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to sin. That doesn't mean that we speak the truth, that we don't speak the truth. That doesn't mean, that's not what that means at all. But we better check our hearts. We better check our hearts because I found myself angry, man, angry. And I'm looking at the New York Senate and those politicians are cheering and clapping. And some, some nun that was up in the balcony I don't know if you saw this. Right as they're finishing up their clapping, all of a sudden she, with this booming voice, may God have mercy. And they all looked up. Everyone looked up. She said, may God have mercy on the state of New York. And she sat back down. You know. Um, and I was angry. And I had all sorts of bad thoughts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, Lord, I could, can I help administer some of your judgment? You know, is that possible? That's, that's not my calling. And I'll tell you what else. I'm a poor judge. I am a poor judge because I so poorly in my judgment reflect the love of Christ. I so poorly reflect his love. His love is fathomless. It's unfathomable, right? That's the God that we serve. So um, when we're going through the books uh, of the law and we're studying these, these things, this is, this is God dealing with a fallen people. And he just knows how we are. You know what I'm saying? And, and you just see how God deals with these things. It's like, why on earth would God have to say this? Why would God have to deal with this thing or that thing? Like, like he condescends all the way down to the trivial matters, what we consider trivial, because really when you look at them, they're matters of the heart. They're matters of the heart. The reason that a person would do something like this or try to get away with this thing is because there's a blemish in their heart. There's something that's going on there. And like Paul says, you know, I'm going through the law and I'm like, well, I've never killed anybody. I've honored my parents. I've done this. I've done that. But then when it says thou shalt not covet, the law slew me. Because I realized that the law is spiritual. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's spiritual. God doesn't want your performance. God wants your heart. God wants you. He wants all of who you are. 
And so when he says, thou shalt not covet, you realize as a human being in this body of frail flesh, I continually covet. I continually want for things that aren't mine or things that I wish or things that I hope. You know, when you go to the, your gas station to get your coffee in the morning and you see that one, that one guy or that one gal that just stands there by the lottery machine and scratches them and then gives another one, you know, and it's just like, oh, and, and you know, that's a disease, that's a disease. It, it is a disease. It's a disease called sin. It's covetousness. And, 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 and that's the nature of sin. One more, one more, one more. Next one's going to pay off. The next one's going to pay off. That's what sin is. It doesn't change. The nature of sin doesn't change. It hasn't changed for 6,000 years. Sin is sin. And the enemy is the enemy. And he comes with the same old lies and the same old deceptions. Promising freedom, he enslaves those who follow after him. That's what he's always done. That's what he's always going to do until the angel grabs him by the Adam's apple tosses him into the abuso for a thousand years. Then after he gets let loose and creates a little more havoc, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Then it'll be over. Up until that point, and for you and I as Christians, up until our death or the rapture of the church, this is the world we live in. And it's the world that we have to deal with. So I need to be fair and equitable according to God's fairness and equity, not my own. And I need to remember that I should be praying for Governor Cuomo. Even though he wants to, <laughs> you know, do all sorts of things I don't agree with. I need to pray for Andrew Cuomo. It's Andrew, right? I need to pray for him, man. Let's pray for him right now. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we pray for our governor, Lord. Uh, so many people are angry with him, Lord, and, and relating to him the opposite of how Jesus would. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have the heart of Christ instead, Lord. And we pray for our governor. Father, we pray for his salvation. We pray, Lord God, that you would bring someone in near to him, close to him, Father. Or help him to see something. Or, or that you would speak into his heart, Father. And that you would change his heart. And you would change his life, Father. That you would show him the freedom of Christ Jesus. The love, the mercy, the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for all of our senators. Lord, we pray for all of our politicians, our president, everybody, Lord. Lord, that you would be guiding their steps. We don't expect to see them all get saved and be in church next Sunday, Lord. But, Lord, we do pray for as many as who might accept the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father, that you would reach their hearts and that you would touch them, Father. And you'd help us as Christians do the right thing in this world that we live in, Lord, as we relate to our leaders, Lord, and the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, Exodus chapter 22. We're going to be covering uh, down through verse 16. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Isn't that a great idea? It's just a great idea. God, there's always going to be thieves. There's always going to be thieves. And, and, and it would be easy, right, to cut off his hand. Right? That's, that's what they do in Islam. They cut your hand right off if you steal. You know? And what God is doing here is he's going to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is what? Covetousness. I coveted my neighbor's oxen <laughs> or sheep for whatever reason. And I stole it. 
And I took it for my own. So God's going to go right to the heart of my covetousness. And now you're going you're to repay him. God bless you. Five for the one you took. Or four for the one sheep that you took. You're going to repay. I'm going to discipline you. And I'm going to deal with you in your heart. I'm going to take that covetousness itself and go like that. That's how God deals with it. I love it. If a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. God does not agree with the stand your ground rule in Florida. <laughs> in the daytime. In, or excuse me, yeah, in the daytime. That's what he says, isn't it? A guy breaks into your house at night. You can't see and you don't know what his intentions are. You just start swinging or shooting or whatever. You're, 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 guilt, you're not guilty of his blood. But if someone comes in during the day to steal from you, you know what the law says. He's going to have to repay. Okay? So if you see the guy stealing from you, get his license plate number on his camel, right? And then go to the elders. Guess what? Guess what? This guy came and stole from me. And they're going to find the guy, and he's going to be held to task, and he's going to have to pay it back. And everyone's going to be like, well, what's wrong with you, dude? First of all, who breaks into the house in the middle of the day? You know, everyone can see you. But God is making a difference here between someone who comes at night and someone who comes during the day. That's God's, God's right to do so. There shall be guilt for his bloodshed if he's, if he's struck and killed during the day. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Interesting, isn't it? He'd be sold. And that's, that's how it was in that culture in those days. If you don't have any money to pay back your debt, you got your body. And so you'd be sold into slavery and indentured servitude for however long it would take to monetarily pay back the person that you owed. Uh, if the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. Um, it, you know, it, again... God dealing with this seemingly trivial thing, but knowing the heart of men. Knowing the heart of men. You know, he's not around. He's off. He's gone for a week. I'm going to let my cattle graze on his back 40. You know, hey, my grass can grow nice and green. No, no yeah, he'll, he'll barely even notice that. And God's like, no, that's covetousness. That's stealing from your neighbor. Not going to have that. There's going to be a penalty for it. I don't know how that, how that would be restored. Probably, you know, Next week, you've got to let him, his cattle graze off the best of your very land, not the back 40, next to your house. And he's going to be standing there going like this. Ooh, that would sting, wouldn't it? But that gets to the heart of the matter. If I know these things, if I steal from you, I'm going to have to pay back double. And if I can't pay back, I'm going to be sold. Guess what? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. If I let my cattle graze on your land... <laughs> You're going to be able to bring your cattle over and graze on the very best of my land. I want that clover field. You know what I mean? My sheep love clover, you know. Tear it up. If a fire breaks out 
and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. I like this part. This is early fire protection. (laughs) I'm a fire protection guy. This is early fire protection. Uh, Be careful what you burn and how you burn it. Okay? Because if you start a fire, you rednecks, (laughs) <laughs> in a field, let's just say you live on like 40 acres next to a church, okay? And you got a burn pile and you just like to burn stuff because you got something wrong with you in, in your mind. Okay? If you burn somebody else's property, you're damaged somebody else's property because you're a pyromaniac, allegedly, then you're going to have to make restitution for it. You're going to have to pay them back. I mean, and it causes a person to think about their actions, you know, it seems like a cause, like a simple thing. Well, this is the penal code for that. But it causes a person to think. God is always going deeper. It causes you to think. So when I'm going to burn this pile of thorns, all right, let me make sure. You know what? Let's take a ditch around and let's put water in the ditch so that if it spreads, it won't go beyond. And let's do this and let's make precautions. And where's, is there windy? Not a good day to burn a fire. Not a good day to burn. It makes you think. It makes you think because we are careless. We can be careless, maybe not with the things that are important to us, but with things that are important to someone else, we can be very careless. So God deals with that matter. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, you know, almost like to entrust, I'm going away, here's, here's my money, uh, here's some of my goods, or here's my, the best of my flock, can you please watch over them, take care of them while I'm gone? Um, and it is stolen out of the man's house. I guess it wouldn't be sheep then. If the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. Again, God knows people's hearts. Hey, Stu, could you watch my, uh, could, could you hold, just take, keep an eye on this for me, will you, while I'm gone? You know, Frank, the funniest thing happened while you were gone. Somebody broke into my house. They did? Yeah, they, they took all your stuff. I mean, they didn't touch any of my things. It's the strangest, the strangest thing. And God makes provision for it beforehand. There's not a discussion that's going to be had there between them deciding if they should go before the elders. You go before the elders. You go before the elders and there's an inquiry made. Because you know how it is. You let somebody borrow something or, or, or somebody has something of yours, guys, you let them borrow your lawnmower. All right? Or your tractor or one of your tools, right? Let's just say you let me borrow one of your tools. It's a very, first of all, that's a poor idea. Huh, Mr. Mark? <laughs> uh, that's another story I'll tell some other time <laughs> about poor, sweet Mr. Mark. Um, and I bring it back to you, and one of the tires is flat, and the thing's covered in grass, and underneath, under where you, you power wash that deck every single time you mow, and, and now it's clumped with dried grass, and certainly is causing rust and corrosion. You're probably not going to have a lot of positive thoughts towards me. You're not probably going to be thinking, boy, I love Frank. He's, you know, there's something special about him, really special about him, you know. And you know how it is when you let someone borrow money, Right? You've let them borrow money, and they haven't paid you back, and they haven't paid you back. And then you see them with a new outfit, and you want to run and jump and tear the outfit off of their body because they haven't paid you. God knows. God knows our hearts. God doesn't want there to even be a root of bitterness between neighbors because we all know how that turned out for the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? 
uh, and, and it's a famous story in American history of these two, and, and it was over some nonsense, and this is a family feud who they hated and killed each other for generations. God knows how people are. So here's what we're going to do. If the thief is not found, the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges. And whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. And this is why you know, God's going to also talk about uh, it being so important that the elders are above reproach. Uh, they're not the kind of men that are willing to accept bribes and stuff like that. Because you can see this kind of perverted, this justice being perverted. You know, listen, you know, here's, here's, here's whatever, 30 shillings or whatever, you know, 50 pieces of silver. Um, you know, I didn't take nothing. Oh, okay, you got it, you got it. And man, a judge could get rich off that. A judge get rich like that. But justice, God's justice, God's law would be perverted. And there had to be a fear. Um, If a man, verse 10, delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not, or excuse me, and he sh- yeah, and he shall not make it good. But if in fact it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, then he having, uh, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor, and it becomes injured or dies. The owner, uh, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. But if the owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. You know, say, hey, uh, Frank, can we, use your, can we use your pickup truck to take a bunch of my stuff to the dump? Absolutely. No problem. We come, we load up the truck, and on the way I get a, I get a flat tire. Or the truck breaks down. Oh, boy, looks like you're going to have to fix my truck. No, 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 no. It's not the way it works, especially if it's rented out for hire. Uh, if you have a case where an animal just comes up missing and the owner's like, I, 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 have, I, have, I have no idea what happened to it. I have no idea whatsoever. And he makes an oath before the Lord. There comes a point in time when there had to be a trust in the word of your neighbor. And I think God does this on purpose as well. Because he wants there to be that kind of relationship between... Now, he's, remember, God is not just giving them the law for while they're wandering around in the wilderness. Okay? They're wandering around in the wilderness. They, they, they're, they're camping around the tabernacle. You, there's not time to establish, you know, the OK Corral and stuff. Uh, they're constantly being moved. God's, God's dealing with them in the future in the promised land. And he says, these are the kind of things that are going to come up. And I want there to be camaraderie between neighbors. And I want there to be a trust and an understanding between neighbors. And one would assume that you're not going to let someone hold your donkey, right? Or borrow your donkey. You're not going to put your donkey up at your neighbor's house whom you don't trust. Right? So God is saying, if you trust this person, I want you to continue to trust this person. We're going to put some provisions in place 
so that if something is done that's off-putting or something happens where he kind of is responsible for it, hey, can I borrow your, your oxen? I've got to just plow this one row. Absolutely. He's plowing that row, and, and, and because he doesn't have the oxen hooked up correctly, it breaks a leg and has to be put down. He's got he's to replace that oxen. That's common sense. You know, but when it comes down to things like, I don't, the, 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 I don't know where your donkey went. You know, I, I had him here. He was here. I don't know where the heck he went. I swear to you before the Lord. His neighbors say, listen, I trust you, man. And there's something beautiful in that, too. Because there's almost like a, there's, there's an intimacy there. You know what I'm saying? If something went down and I look at you in the eye and you say, Frank, honestly, brother, before the Lord, before the Lord, I would never then you as my brother, there's also something very special about me looking back at you in your eyes and saying, I trust you, man. I completely believe you. It's all good. It's all good. And burdens are lifted. God doesn't ever, ever, even back in these days over trivial matters, want his people holding things inside and seething inside. It's such an awful thing. That's one of the things Jesus came to deal with, you know, when, when, he's, when he's doing the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you know, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We talked about that last week, um, where if a, if a woman was injured while she was pregnant, a fight breaks out between two men, the woman gets injured, and the baby dies, the person who injured her, he dies too. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. God was talking about the judgment of the nation. You understand? God was talking about the government of Israel in dealing with its people. God was not talking about neighbor to neighbor. Okay? There's a difference in thou shalt not kill and the death penalty. It is a completely opposite different thing. We know that from Scripture because God says thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not kill. But then when he goes through the law, he gives those in authority, the rulers of the people, the ability to, to, uh, uh, to practice um, help me, capital punishment, to practice capital punishment. You'll be put to death for this thing. You'll be put to death for that thing. The governments of this world are ordained by God and they have been given the power by God to perform capital punishments. And it's a necessary thing. It's a necessary thing. And the New Testament teaches about this. When Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know I have the power to, to give you your life or take it away from me? Take it away from you? Jesus said, you would have no such power unless it was given to you by my Father. The, the power to what? The power of life, of giving and taking life. That's established and ordained by God. We're told in the epistles that we are to honor and to obey those in authority over us, including, uh, you know, back then it would be soldiers, but policemen, things like this. And the Bible goes on to say they don't bear the sword in vain. There's a reason Officer Friendly has a pistol, Right? He's got, and it ain't to whip you with, it's to shoot you with. And we, you know, I just don't like that. I just, man, I just don't like that. Well, there's a lot of things <laughs> that we don't like. You know, but we have to see, God sees the world as it is. This is the world that we live in. And there has to be governments. And there has to be rule. And there has to be authority. Now, because of sin and wickedness, we have governments that go crazy and become evil and perverted and awful. We fought wars over it. That's just the unfortunate reality of the world that we live in. But God's established rule and God's established authority is, is, is just that. It's established by him. Um, verse 13, if it is torn to pieces by a beast, 
then he shall bring it uh, as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything uh, from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it shall uh, not being with it, he shall surely make it good. We already read that. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good, for it was hired, it came for its hire. So I just repeated myself. So that's where I'm ending. I wish I could make something more spiritual out of it for you. You know, <clears throat> this is, this, <laughs> but this dad's going dad's gonna to pick up, dad got some of the juicy verses. He got some of the good stuff. So stick around for a second service. Um, but we're going to share together in the Lord's table. So you can have our, our uh, ushers come on up. Um, this is a sweet, sweet time. This is a sweet time. I always, I always enjoy uh, communion Sundays because uh, this is an opportunity for us to break bread together and also with the Lord. Uh, this is a time for us to remember Jesus. Like all the stuff that we're talking about, you know, God's dealing with people and God establishing his law and how our hearts need to be in this world that we live in, this perverse world that we live in where we see all of this injustice and some of these awful things that are taking place. But our focus and our, and our, our center is Jesus. Our center is Christ. And it's so good to just always come back to that. You remember that song, uh, Give Me Jesus? You know, um, how does it start? Uh, in the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And then when I am alone, give me Jesus. And when I come to die, give me Jesus. You know, that's the, 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 the gist of that song. It all comes back to Jesus Christ. You know, He is God made flesh. And he is the gap between sinful man and almighty God. He is the relationship that we have with God. It's through Jesus Christ. That's why when we pray, we, we finish in Jesus' name, right? We don't get to just, you know, kick down the doors of the, of the, of the temple in heaven and say, guess who's back, you know. No, no, everything that we have is because of Jesus Christ. And everything that we do in our relationship to God is through Jesus Christ. And this is an opportunity for us to thank him, to just sit quietly and thank him for what he has accomplished for us. You know, this Passover ceremony that had gone on for generation after generation after generation, celebrating the children of Israel being delivered from bondage of the Egyptians by God and brought to the promised land. Jesus Christ then takes it and turns it completely spiritual for you and I. And says, each of you were in bondage. Each of you were in bondage to sin. And sin is a cruel and harsh taskmaster. But because of the blood of the Lamb, put on the lentils of the doorposts of our hearts, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have not only been set free from bondage, the bondage of sin, but we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the promised land. For the promised land. That's why we sing that song, when I die, don't cry for me. <laughs> in my Father's arms I'll be. You know, it's awesome. It don't matter where you bury me. It don't matter. Nikki and I were talking this morning about death over coffee. <laughs> you know, oh, what do you think? You want to be cremated? I want to be buried. That's, what, that's, that's, you know, when you read through the Old Testament, and I'm a little enough of a historical nostalgia kind of guy, they were all buried. Bible talks to us about being seeds planted in faith. It doesn't matter if you're cremated, by the way. It's not a doctrinal thing. There was millions of Christians burned at the stake. Okay? They didn't get to, you know, it's like, oh, sorry. You didn't get here the right way. Well, they got there the right way. They got there the right way. 
through eat torn by beasts, lost in the sea, okay? You, you can't be dogmatic with stuff like that. It's silly to do so. It's a tradition. That being said, I want to be buried. I want to be buried that back there in the backyard with my nephew, right? And, and, and with mom and dad. <laughs> the dirt, I want my dirt bike in the yeah, That's right. Put it right in there with me. Um, but we were talking about that and just, just saying, you know what? It's so, it's so awesome. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, you know what? Well, you know what I need to be? And people make such preparation. And you have to. You have to make preparation for, for our, own, our own death. We have to do that. And it's an important thing to do. But in the end, at the end of the day, it don't matter where you bury me. My grandmother, who was a coal miner's wife, used to say, Stick a bone where the sun don't shine and let the dogs take me away. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> That's, see, you see where the mental illness comes from, don't you? It's all because of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's all because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Man, this gift that we have in communion, this celebration is so precious. It's so wonderful. Because it speaks not just to the relationship that we have with him today, what he's done for us. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will surely come and get you that where I am, you might be also. The old singer Keith Green used to say, it took him six days to create this world. And he's been working on our home in heaven for 2,000 years. And if it took him six days to create this world, and he's been working on that world for 2,000 years, this is living in a garbage can compared to what's going on up there. It's a beautiful promise that we have. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of the sacrifice. So I would just encourage you this morning, as the, as the elements are being passed out, man, just sit there and enjoy Jesus. And just thank Him for what He's done. And if there's anything that you need to confess, confess it to Him. If there's anything that you've been holding back from Him, confess it to Him and tell Him, take it. That, song, that new song that we've been singing, take all of me. That's the wrong key, but... Take all of me. If more of you means less of me, take everything. Take everything. God will never, ever, ever invest you poorly. You give him your life, your dreams, your aspirations, the guilt, the condemnation that you have in your own heart, you give all that to him, he's not going to squander it. He's not going to throw it back in your face. He's going to turn everything beautiful. That's just what he does. Amen? All right, come on up, guys.